We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike here with Sam. Sam, how you doing? Yo, I am doing pretty well. In-season tournament time, Mike. Yeah. In-season tournament, the inaugural tournament. Some people probably don't give a crap. Uh, but for us, I think this is going to be fun. I think this is going to be a fun episode because we get to preview our upcoming opponent. I think it's going to be a fun week for the NBA with some stellar ratings given some of these matchups we have coming up. And uh, yeah. Like like I said recently, uh, in I think I guessed it on a podcast when I said this, so maybe it wasn't our feed, but um, I've gotten super into the idea, and uh, I'm excited for all the surprises that this week has in store for us. Yeah, I think we sort of maybe differed slightly in our level of excitement about the idea of the in-season tournament. I've, I've always sort of been on board with it in general. Um I, I did find it a little confusing at first, uh, and now I feel like I'm a little more on board now that I understand it. Um, I will say for the Suns, early in the season, I thought about it less and less as the Suns just never really were healthy. I thought a lot more about how they were going to get the team together, when they were going to be healthy, you know, how the role players were going to fit while the team was injured, and how they were going to fit when they were healthy. And now, really... They took a day off, which I thought was actually kind of smart. If you notice, like every team played back-to-backs in the last two days. They took a day off today. We're recording this on Sunday. Tomorrow is the first two games of the uh, knockout round. And then Tuesday, when the Suns play, will be the next two games of the knockout round. And it really did sort of bring the entire season up to this point into focus to start to understand exactly what... The Suns, since they're in the knockout round, which they could have very easily not been in the knockout round, thanks to a Devin Booker desperation three at the end of a Memphis game. Um, since they're in it, it, it just all sort of makes sense. I'm starting to understand it, and I think it's easy to get excited about it at this point. Just from a general perspective, and supposedly, according to Adam Silver, the ratings have gone up 
in the beginning of the season due to the mm-hmm. in-season tournament. Do you think it's all kind of worked for the NBA? Yes, I, I think the ratings, uh, I, I believe him when he says that, to be honest. And I know they fluff the numbers sometimes, but on this, I believe him. I Look, I still think, you know, it's December or, or late November when this stuff has been going on. And there are still a lot of people and there may always be a lot of people who don't check in on the NBA until Christmas. Uh, you know, the more hard, hardcore uh, NFL fans who just aren't there yet. Um, or the people whose uh, teams got knocked out. Obviously, for us, it's a little bit more enticing because naturally the Suns advance to this knockout stage. But for those of us who are here, and for a, a lot of other fans, I think, around the league who will be checking in on these games this week, it's as close to a playoff atmosphere as you can get in the regular season without actually being a playoff atmosphere. And like that's you can't call that anything other than a win for the NBA, I think. Yeah. the Using a different court... I thought was smart because you always knew when you were watching an in-season tournament game if you turned it on on the TV. Um, I love the point differential stuff. You know, there was there has been some level of discourse around whether or not that's good for the game in general uh, from players like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, DeMar DeRozan, I think are the ones that come to mind. Um, I love that because I think games stay at, 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 at least somewhat interesting until the end of the game. Sometimes you can call them competitive. Sometimes they're not. Obviously, if you're up 30 and you're just trying to put more points on the other team, maybe it's not con- considered competitive, but it's definitely interesting like, uh, to see it. Hypocritically, the Celtics did literally yeah. do, even after Jason Tatum gave his public comment, uh, kind of calling out that behavior as still wanting to uh, maintain the, the unwritten rules or whatever. But thankfully, Book, our guy is on the right side of history about this. Uh, I think it was Dwayne. Rankin uh, asked him earlier this week what he thought about it, and he just said he he doesn't understand like what all these guys are talking about. <laughs> he didn't call anyone out by name, but I'm sure he's seen the comments, like you said, from Tatum, from uh, DeMar DeRozan. Bam Adebayo was another one. Just play until the clock hits zero. You know, it's yeah. not point differential. Also, like all these people around the league who are like, oh, it's so confusing. I don't understand point differential. It's not that hard. It's yeah. not that hard. Those guys talking. When I was talking about the in-season tournament a year ago, right when the idea was pitched to to the public about the in-season tournament, I I you'll remember how I worded it. But I thought I said the players that care will care, and the players that don't won't. And then the players that care will be the ones left in the knockout round, and then it'll be interesting because those are the players that care. Yeah. But what I what I found interesting is listening to Jason Tatum and Demar Derozan talk about it. I. I thought I might need to make a list of like basketball red flags <laughs> that some players tend to say or do and and just start tracking when that happens because to me the way they were talking about it I was like all right this is just so lame it's like a weird it felt like a little bit of a red flag competitive red flag um to well, me you, you know why it gives you that feeling why it gives you that kind of oh we shouldn't be here that sort of grimace that uncanny valley yeah. is cuz it feels like baseball stuff and I know right. how you feel about baseball yeah, uh, and we need to keep that as that when I talk about baseball stuff, nothing against the game of baseball Bat flips actually and stuff. Yeah, I like I like the game of baseball. But yeah, it's this pervasive mindset around the sport that I think has kind of infected that particular sport and is one of the many reasons. But one of the reasons why that sport has struggled to attract uh, young viewers, keep that as far away from basketball as possible <laughs> because it yeah. is toxic. Uh, you a- don't allow the game to change. Allow the sport to change. I mean, just the fact if if you really think you're trying to uh, 
uh, preserve the integrity of the game, maybe think about how differently players were allowed to dribble, you know, 30 years ago compared to how you're allowed to dribble right now. Do we want to go back to that? Because I don't. It would really massively impact Jason Tatum's game. That's for sure. I think there'd be a carry every possession. It changes. It evolves. Allow it to happen. It's fun. Um, the other part is, too, the way Devin Booker talked about it, it feels, if you're really talking about the integrity of the game, allowing nothing to happen at the end of the game, is that really, I don't know, is that fun? Do people like that? Just like dribbling the clock out at the end of the game? That's boring. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that counts as being competitive. But let's talk about the Suns recently, and then let's look ahead to the in-season tournament game because this gives us the opportunity you know i was messaging you before this to to almost approach this like a preview of a playoff game uh even though it's not a series it's just a game we get to focus on one opponent right now especially because we don't really know who they're playing after that so there's only really one game over the next four days that we know about for sure and that's against the lakers but since the last time we recorded on the main feed devin booker rolled his ankle against Toronto and then was not good <laughs> at the end of that game um, was completely out of the Nuggets game Friday which ended up being a really fun game it was like a weird old school post battle between Nurkic and Jokic Nurkic had one of the best games of his life it seemed like um, but the Nuggets made every shot and then KD missed every shot in the second half and the Suns lost that Nugget Nuggets game they c- come back Every team played back-to-back, as I talked about recently, essentially. And they played the Grizzlies on a back-to-back. The Grizzlies were also on the second night of a back-to-back. The Suns won that game. Devin Booker came back. Didn't miss a step. No. I mean, mean, he looked remarkable in that game. And and now we can assume that Eric Gordon was out in the Grizzlies game. But outside of him, we don't know his status for the Lakers game. We do think, obviously, Devin Booker is going to be playing, at the very least, for the Lakers game. Um, any thoughts on those things that happened since the last time we recorded? Yeah, well, f- f- just with Book, spectacular news that he's going to be back for Tuesday. I-, I really didn't think that he would be playing in the Grizzlies game in the first place. And then when it was announced that he was playing, uh, I wasn't expecting him. Based on his performance in the second half against Toronto, I wasn't expecting much. So to hit them, um, see him hit the ground running like he did and essentially turn in an almost 30-10-10 triple-double in his first game back, uh, was nothing short of exceptional. If you want to talk about the week as a whole, though, I, I think the biggest guy to highlight recently for his play with the Suns is Yusuf Nurkic. Um, he has been on a yeah. tear. There was the one game against Denver, which obviously was remarkable, and, and he had over 30 points in that game. But just if you look at his last 10 games, this stretches back to the start of that eight-game win streak for the Suns. He's averaging 14, 9, and 3 assists. Also 1.6 blocks on 53% shooting from the field. His three-point percentage is up. He's still getting to the free throw line, and he makes his free throws when he does get there. Uh, But the big thing is finishing, finishing, finishing. His finishing numbers are much, much better than they were uh, at the start of the season when we saw he was essentially putting up putrid numbers. And that's not to say that he's suddenly a lob threat, that he's suddenly, you know, a, a super... Uh, athletic, aggressive, big, who who just like, you know, sucks in all the gravity on the inside and is going to be like feared from that position. There are, you know, certain things that work for him and certain things that don't. And he's still going to be mostly, you know, a, a little bit of a heavy set ground bound guy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's working, right? 
we're seeing the chemistry build with KD. We're seeing the chemistry build with Book. The more he gets to play with Book, the way that he can use his passing, leverage it in multiple ways. He can stay at the top of the key, wait for Booker or KD to to come around and take the dribble handoff and then set a strong screen. Or as we've seen more recently, he can notice and key in on if the defense is top locking our stars and trying to prevent them to get into those positions. And then he'll throw a pass over the top and they get layups. So, you know, he's he's just been all around good. And, and none of that even speaks to his defense, which I think we've tried to highlight recently too. He's had some really, really solid moments defensively in a lot of these games. Yeah, uh, and it's not just finishing, you know, actual post-ups by Yusuf Nurkic recently. Um, he's actually being fed the ball in the post, which is a surprising development. I don't think that I expected the Suns to do that very much. Smart to do it against Jokic a little bit, try to force him to get in foul trouble, regardless of whether or not the refs felt like calling it or not. Um, but, you know, I, I do think his offense has dramatically dramatically improved as far as scoring the passing is still there I do think that they have sacrificed a little bit of the passing to make him more of a threat at the rim and that's uh, those stats for scoring and, and, and assists for him are a little bit tied together in that when he has a great scoring game the assists might be a little lower he's not thinking about what to do with the ball when he catches it under the basket he's not immediately looking for a shooter if he's open or at least semi-open he's going to try to go for that finish and uh it's not perfect, obviously, for him still, but a dramatic improvement for him in that Nuggets game in particular was like, it's just crazy how well he played in that one. I do think the defense is getting better and, and the stats kind of hold up to that. It, ke- totally. it keeps getting better over and over with him um, over the course of the season. The, and I think he's playing well. But the other part is I want to mention yeah, some of the finishing stats I mentioned, I sort of tied them to playing with Devin Booker. I, I don't want to do that anymore in that I feel like the chemistry with Kevin Durant is getting better and that Nuggets game was a really great example of that where uh, Durant was feeding him and just finding him in, in the post and finding him on rolls to the rim in ways that they have yet to do a lot of throughout the season. So it was nice to see that developing a little bit as well. Yeah, I can't remember because the box scores on in front of me. Katie had double digit assists in that one though, I think. Um, he uh, Just to demonstrate what we're both talking about with the defense here, Defensive rating for the Suns, and look, the Suns right now are, by the numbers, a slightly below average defensive team. I think they're still hovering around 18th yeah. in defensive rating. Their defensive rating with Nurk on the floor is 112.5. Their defensive rating with Eubanks on the floor is 111.2. Obviously, when you're talking about defensive rating, uh, the lower number is better. Uh, but a difference of only one between those guys given their particular skill sets and kind of how we thought it would maybe go down this season I take as a massive win for this team 112 and a half for Yusuf Nurkic is really not bad it's not bad at all and to compare it to what we saw actually you know sorry to make the direct comparison of these guys over and over again but it's kind of important what we saw with DeAndre Ayton last year when he had like officially stopped caring and just wasn't really giving that effort on a consistent basis at all anymore consistently the defensive rating with DeAndre Ayton on the floor, we saw this for like the, his final two years in Phoenix, would be five, six points worse than when his backups were in the game. So most recently that meant Jock Landale last year. When he was on the floor, the Suns would have a defensive rating of like 110 because he would come in and he would bring all the energy and then Ayton would check back in and it would balloon up to like 117, 118. We're not seeing the same sort of difference between Nurkic and Eubanks. And that's because even though they 
play defense in different ways, the effort is never something that you're questioning. The the energy yeah, yeah. is never something that you're questioning with Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, just to add even more context to that, when DeAndre was on the floor last year, the Suns had a defensive rating 113.2. So worse than both of the Suns centers that they have right now. And that was, I think, with a significant amount of Mikel Bridges in there, which I think helps that defensive rating pretty dramatically. So, yeah, I think it's still a work in progress. They're still figuring it out a little bit. And I, I actually think the 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 defense at the rim is is pretty good it's just when he ever gets isolated sort of out on the perimeter or anything like that that's when it starts to become not great so it it will be interesting to see how it develops over time and i think that so far the defense is improving with him on the floor so that's all it's all pointing in the right direction um overall as a team the defense is significantly lower than you'd want it to be. And I think we'll talk about that as we get into the to the Lakers um, preview here. But I want to talk about just how the in-season tournament works real quick because I think there's probably still some level of confusion for people who are wondering. And I want to give a shout-out to ArizonaSports.com who wrote about this. Our friends, of course, Damon and Kellen both work there. So thanks to them if they had anything to do with this article. They wrote about it. And I got some of my information from there as well as the NBA's website. Um, but the Suns are in the knockout round. There are four teams from each conference in the knockout round. In the first round of the knockout round, those games are at home at the higher seeds uh, home court. So for the Suns, that means they're playing the Lakers in LA since the Lakers are the one seed for the Western Conference side of this bracket. Everything else, which are two more rounds, will happen in a uh, in Las Vegas. So a non-team arena. It'll be a Las Vegas neutral site. A real test, by the way, to see how much fans will travel to go to those games, I think, when they do happen in Las Vegas, considering this is brand new and, and there's, I don't know, who knows how much interest there's going to be in there. Um, but Geo Geography test, because I honestly do not know. Which is closer to... I Well, okay, we're playing the Lakers in the quarterfinals, right? So this yeah. doesn't matter. But theoretically, which is closer to Vegas? Is it LA or uh, Los Angeles, slightly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if the Lakers make it, they're, without a doubt, as somebody who's been to Summer League five times... Without a doubt, if the Lakers make it, there will be a ton of Lakers fans there. <laughs> Don't question that. There's probably a lot of Lakers fans in Las Vegas already. Um, so, they play the Lakers. The winner of that game will advance to the semifinals of the in-season tournament. That takes place in Las Vegas. First game of the knockout round is Tuesday. That will be Suns versus Lakers. If they win that, the second game will be Thursday. Um, and if the Suns do end up beating the Los Angeles Lakers, they will play either Sacramento or New Orleans in the second round. And that would be on Thursday in Las Vegas. And then if they advance past that, that will take them to the finals of that. And that will be against whoever makes it out of the eastern side of the bracket, which is, I believe, Boston, Philadelphia, Indiana, and New York, if I'm not mistaken. Boston, Philadelphia, Indiana, and New York. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but I think yeah. you're right. Okay. Um, if the Suns were to lose, because this this sort of week of the in-season tournament, tournament knockout round was like um, not really scheduled for games. Yes, go ahead. Scratch Philly, it's Milwaukee. Milwaukee, Milwaukee instead of you. Philly. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, if the Suns were to lose, 
they would play the loser of the Sacramento New Orleans on Thursday as well. Not as part of the tournament, just as a regular season game. So there's a chance the Suns end up playing the Lakers five times and an extra game against the Kings. Or, I mean, they will play an extra game against the Kings or the Pelicans. The rest of the teams that didn't make the tournament right now, the other 22 teams that did not make the tournament are all playing against each other. So basically, they're leaving out the eight teams um, specifically this week at the beginning of the week. And then the Suns, instead of playing one of those 22 teams, will play one of the other two teams that are part of the bracket outside of the Lakers to make up for that gap in the schedule. So kind of weird, a, a real weird time for anyone who thinks of the NBA schedule as sacred because the Suns are playing Los Angeles five times. So if you're thinking of the 82 games as important to whatever stats that come out at the end of the season kind of scrapped that now it's not the same it's not exactly the same as it used to be i am a lover Um, of uh symmetry myself um but i can forego it (laughs) in this particular situation just because i think it's it it lends itself to a more interesting week for the nba i do normally love that we play everyone here four times and everyone over here three times right right but it is what it is if, if you're going to play any team five times, there's something about it being the Los Angeles Lakers that just feels right. Well, it means, it means they're, they've, I don't want to say they've kicked our ass because actually it was two close losses, but we're 0-2 against them so far. It means we will get a definitive winner of the season series between those yeah. two teams at least, <laughs> but we need to win three in a row like they did back in, God, whatever playoff series that was in the 90s when they were down yeah. 2-0 to, to the Lakers. So... I think the thing about these games that has made them interesting is the players appear to care. Devin Booker wants to win. He's talked about it time and time again. He said this is going to be a battle of two heavyweights. He said he's looking forward to this game in Los Angeles. In some ways, you know, those who like to bring up elimination game stats for Devin Booker, every game in this tournament is going to be elimination games. If you're talking about, I know it's not playoffs, but it kind of is. There's going to be a lot of attention on it. There's going to be a lot of fans watching. And I think the atmosphere will be similar to a playoff game, just like you talked about. The other thing is the Lakers have cared. You have seen it with how they played in the uh, initial games to, to set the seating. LeBron James played really hard. The fans were really into it. They seemed to put a lot of points on teams at the end of games in order to boost their point differential. So these are two teams, obviously, that tried really hard to be here, meeting in the first round of the knockout round. And I think it could not really be any more interesting. <laughs> Kevin Durant versus LeBron James, you know, Devin Booker who has defeated and eliminated LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the Lakers in the playoffs in the past. I mean, there's history here. This is going to be a fascinating matchup. Not to mention anytime you get LeBron and KD healthy at this point, it's such a big deal because you never know when it could be the last time. Let me ask you a personal question. You said, yeah. You've been to Vegas. You've been to Summer League five times. Yeah, I think so, yeah. What would it take to drag you out there for if the Suns advance? What would it take? Oh, to Las Vegas now? Oh, I mean, honestly. You have, you have work, I assume. The, so for, Yeah, Thursday, I mean, the game would have to be on is, a weekend. Yeah, <laughs> that right. would be helpful. <laughs> so any any not, unemployed Suns fans will, yeah. <laughs> will have the advantage if they can make it out to Vegas for it sounds a Thursday fun. game. I'd love to you know, know uh, what t- those tickets are going for, too. Just that's to see, why I like, think it's going to be a test yeah. or even like when they go on sale. I'm not even sure they must go on sale like immediately after the teams are set. Um, but like if the game was here in Phoenix, I'd probably try to go to one of those because why not? It would be fun, but it's not going to be. So 
it, it will be fascinating to see how they end up selling and what kind of in-person interest that will be. If you're a Suns fan, let us know if you're planning on going, if they make it beyond this first round, because I would like to know who, who would who would go and, and who wouldn't, um, especially season ticket holders. It's, it's a little easier to go to a game on a Thursday night, for example, when it's 10 minutes from your house rather than four and a half hours from your house. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers as a team um, so far this season. The Lakers, here's some basic stats. 24th in offense. Surprised me, Sam, looking up that stat. Ninth in defense and as a team are 21st in net rating so far this year. I think that you could say, if you're a Lakers fan... That's kind of, maybe kind of a disappointment for you so far. Yes, maybe. I think Lakers fans are saying that it's a disappointment for them so far. <laughs> Even the, though the they're 12 and 9, nine I know. which is not a terrible record, but 21st in net rating does not point to a to a really great Look, uh, season for them if that continues. If you ask me for them to be 12 and 9, anytime you you're 12 and 9 with a bad net rating, bad point differential like that also it means you're winning the close games, which is important. You're winning when you you're getting into clutch situations. You're winning more of those games maybe than you otherwise should be. So that's a good sign for them. Given their roster, given the personnel they have around LeBron and AD, given what LeBron and AD are even capable of at this stage in their careers, twelve and nine, I'd be happy with twelve and nine. 
but they think they're in the inner ring of five or six contenders still. Yeah. So and it, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's you not have LeBron James. You have LeBron James. You have Anthony Davis. I I understand why they would think that. I was surprised in looking up a lot of these team stats that they don't seem like a team that should be as good as they are. I did look up the clutch stats. Um, seven and three in the clutch. Ten games for them so far this season. Much better than the Suns, who I believe are six and seven, but five and two when Devin Booker plays. Um, in clutch stats for the Suns. So obviously dramatically different when Devin Booker plays than when he doesn't because they either have one awesome uh, offensive player or two playing. And having two tends to be better in the NBA. Um, but yeah, the the Lakers I, are sort of surviving off of their top 10 defense so far, but their offense is not great. And just to put a, a nice pin in that, second to last in three-point percentage um, in the NBA. So... Not really capable of shooting. Also, as 30th we, dead last in three-pointers attempted, too, by the way. Yeah. So they're not making their threes, and they're not taking them. Yeah, they're not making them. They're not taking them. The recipe for LeBron James over the course of his career is LeBron plus shooting equals wins, <laughs> and they don't really have a lot of shooting. This is not to say that they can't just absolutely destroy the Suns or, or at the very least beat them in a close game. They absolutely can. You know, sometimes it feels like any player can become LeBron James against the Suns in any stretch of uh, any time. But the player most likely to do that is LeBron James himself. <laughs> because, yes, he's not quite the LeBron of the past. But he's also incredible so far this season. If you haven't been paying attention to LeBron James this season, 24.4 points per game, 6.4 assists, 6.8 rebounds and is incredibly efficient so far this season. 55% from the field, 38% from three. Is everything for that team so far? Uh, because when he's on the court, they're good. Five, a plus 5.8 net rating. When he's off the court, not so good. They're really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise, they're yeah. really bad. And, and I think they're going to take this game, if they take it as seriously as, say, a playoff game, he's probably going to play a lot of minutes and actually we can transition that into the conversation about the starters um it just to just to point this out Gabe Vincent is out for the Lakers so he's not playing uh Rui Hachimura and Vanderbilt were recently injured but seems like they're good to go because they played their last game against Houston we still don't know about Eric Gordon if Eric Gordon will play for the Suns um I believe it was a knee soreness I think he banged knees with a player in the Nuggets game so we'll see if he ends up playing the Lakers are currently starting LeBron James, Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, Cam Reddish, and Prince. Tayshaun Prince. Torian Prince, yeah. I'm sorry, Torian Prince. Would be Tayshaun really Prince. impressive if they were starting Tayshaun <laughs> Prince. Shout out Tayshaun yeah. Prince, who's probably in his 50s. Yeah. Um, close to. He's probably about LeBron James' age right now. Um, but that's their current starting five. And the Suns' best starting five. My God, he's only 43. You're right. Yeah. It's, that's, <laughs> this is the the marvel of LeBron is that guys who have been out of the league for 10 years, you think they're like 52 or whatever. And then it's like, oh, they're basically LeBron's age. Like, that's that's nuts. Right. <laughs> um, the Suns' best starting lineup has been Devin Booker, Grayson Allen, Eric Gordon, Kevin Durant, Yusuf Nurkic, who have played about six, have played 69 minutes total. The Suns don't have a ton of lineups that have played a lot of minutes. So that's pretty good for this team as far as five-man lineups, and our shooting, Sam, currently, that lineup is has a 
85% true shooting percentage. So an overall absolute offensive juggernaut of a lineup, but a lineup that, you know, begs the question, who guards LeBron James? If you start the combination of Devin Booker, Eric Gordon, Grayson Allen, Kevin Durant, and Yusuf Nurkic. Mm-hmm. What do you think? <sighs> do they start that, first of all? Should they start a different lineup? And if they do, who guards LeBron? Let me wait. So you're we're assuming that LA is going to go with the starting lineup that you yes. also suggested? Yes, that's who they've been starting. They, they, moved, so they moved Cam Reddish into that starting lineup and just sort of kept him there yeah. recently. He's shooting, I think, 31% from three. It's not like he's been a great... Of course, he, he, he exploded he, against he the Suns the last time. He destroyed the Suns. He <laughs> yeah. eviscerated the Suns. And this is one of the reasons like the Lakers don't scare me that much. It took Cam Reddish going off for like six threes in that yeah. game uh, in, in order for the Lakers to secure a three-point win over the Suns last time. This was a few weeks ago now. But... If they're gonna go, if they're gonna continue to play those guys together, and so basically they've got Cam Reddish and Tarian Prince out there, that's doing the Suns a favor, I think, because it makes their entire unit smaller, and now it's just Nurkic on AD and and KD on LeBron. You keep it simple. It it would be yeah. it would be harder to match up on their size if AD was somehow playing the four, but the, as we know, the Lakers just don't have those options uh, to start someone else at center, really. Like, what are they going to do? They're not going to start Christian Wood at center, obviously. So, so yeah, it's it's a pretty easy matchup. Yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of what you have to do. Now, the question of whether or not that's sustainable over the course of a game or even if we're looking down down the line of series, I could, I could easily see the Lakers and sure the Suns meeting up in the, in the first round. It's a little scary. It's a lot to put on Kevin Durant's shoulders, but I think it's something that he would embrace I think the last time the Suns played the Lakers, Josh Okoge started and Josh Okoge uh, guarded LeBron James and actually did pretty well considering he has a distinct size disadvantage. The Suns could also start Keita Bates D up if they wanted to and just let Keita Bates D up guard LeBron. And I could see them doing that as well. That's kind of the other option in this game. This is the type of game where if it were just a regular, regular season game, they probably would just absolutely not even question it. If everyone's healthy, they start Eric Gordon, they start Grayson Allen together with Devin Booker, and they just say, let's see how this goes. We have the opportunity to try it out against these guys in the regular season, and we can adjust as the game goes along mm-hmm. and try to win. But because it is a single-game elimination game, there is a chance that Vogel just sort of pulls the plug early and says, I'm putting a little bit of extra size in there to start this game. And we'll see how that goes. And I think that will be an interesting test to see what Frank Vogel does because, like I said, it's not a normal game. It really isn't. I know Devin Booker doesn't think that, and I doubt LeBron James thinks that. Yeah. So they're going to take it a little more seriously. They should take it a little more seriously. I hope they don't push it too far. Like We, we don't need Book and KD playing 42 minutes in, in a random Tuesday night yeah. in December. Um, now, if they want to play 36, 38, like a little more than, than normal, that's fine. Uh, and I think, honestly, both the Lakers and the Suns will benefit from the, trimming their rotations a little bit. You pointed to the fact that the Lakers struggle when LeBron is off the floor, duh. But if you just look at some of those players who are coming in in those lineups, like if they can get away with playing less Jackson Hayes, if they can get away with playing less Max Christie, kind of, you know, the guys who are like the 8th, ninth, 10th man, for them, who really have not been giving them very good minutes, uh, that, that would benefit the Lakers as well. Uh, with LeBron... He's still good, but, I mean, he's still really good, right? Like, it, it's exceptionally impressive what he's doing at his age. But he, he's he can't just, beat you by himself anymore. Exactly. He can't he be, can in one game, though. 
you know? <laughs> but he needs he needs to shoot really well. Yeah. Almost to the point where you suspect that there's a little bit, you know, there's a bit of shooting luck involved. And yes, it's LeBron James. And yes, he's the reason his career has evolved the way that it has. And he's been able to maintain this longevity is because of the way that his shot has evolved uh, over the course of his 20 year career. But yeah, he I mean, he's just going to have to shoot over you, which is why, again, I mean, Josh Okogie is, is never a horrible choice. But yeah. I would prioritize just putting size and length on LeBron. And so to me, that means KD, or maybe it means K to Bates Diop. It definitely does not mean Grayson Allen <laughs> or right. uh, or like Eric Gordon or something like yeah. that. That would be that would be the wrong move. If Eric Gordon's on LeBron, he's going to end up on his ass a few times in that game. Just absolutely LeBron James barreling through him. And after uh, being out of the game due to knee soreness, that does not sound fun uh, for Eric Gordon. But Eric Gordon would be, I think, really important for the Suns offensively if he's healthy, in order to, to win this particular game. I think if I were Frank Vogel, I'm not, and I never will be, <laughs> I would just start the lineup if Eric Gordon's healthy. Um, easily start them, put KD on him, double him if you have to at times, and try to force the ball into him, maybe. I hate to say it, Cameron Reddish's hands, not to scare everyone, uh, give you PTSD of the last game. And just try to make him make decisions with the ball. Obviously, don't give him wide open threes. Close out as best you can. Make him make decisions that, as that's, the shot clock is running out. That's just what the math is going to say. I mean, again, let's reiterate. We're playing a team. We're going to be playing a team that is dead last in three-point attempts and is second to dead last in three-point percentage. If you give them wide open looks all day because you send two to the ball when LeBron has it and they hit the open threes, you shake their hand and, and call it a day. You're out of the tournament. But the math should be on your side. So I think you at least have to start with that approach. And then, you know, it'll be like Vogel's a smart guy, as we know, when it comes to defenses, especially he'll mix it up throughout the game. Yeah. He'll make sure LeBron is seeing different stuff. Um, but I think you're you're definitely starting with the approach of let someone else beat us, particularly yeah. from behind the arc. I mentioned it. The Lakers are currently 24th in offense, ninth in defense and 21st in net rating just to give the opposite side of that the suns are now up to eighth in offense 18th in defense and then overall eighth in net rating you're talking about the math equation the, the suns should win this game you know if just if it were a series for example you would feel pretty confident betting on the suns over the course of a seven game series winning that in an individual game anything can happen and I say that to say that D'Angelo Russell has actually been playing pretty well for the Lakers. In fact, I think back at the old, I think it was Slam cover that had <laughs> Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, yeah. D'Angelo Russell. This is the first season that all three of them are playing pretty well in. <laughs> in that Carl Anthony Towns is playing, I think, unsustainably good for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And to some extent... Maybe this is who D'Angelo Russell is now in the in the role that he has on this team. But in, to some extent, I think he's also doing that. The best defense he's played in his career so far this year, D'Angelo Russell, and has been a really good shot maker for them, either in pull-up attempts mid-range or from three, or getting to the rim or shooting catch-and-shoot threes. He has been an effective offensive player for them. He's also so when I think about, lowest, lowest turnover rate of his career too, which is, I, I just think that's a big deal because it's like, you know, we've always known his offensive potential, but in the past, kind of a guy you could rely on to make dumb decisions with the ball in his hands, and that's becoming less so the case as he matures. Essentially shooting 41% from three 
as well for him on 5.5 attempts, like a significant amount of threes for their best three point shooter, essentially um, so far this season on the Lakers. And I think for the Suns to win this game, you know, obviously the, the most important thing is containing LeBron James as best as you can. Like, you know, there's an extent to what you can do against LeBron James containing Anthony Davis, trying to force him to shoot by the way, Anthony Davis, if you remember, Darvin Ham said they want him to shoot six threes a game. He's up to 11 three-point attempts on the season, <laughs> Anthony Davis, and yeah, he's shooting I don't know. 27% I don't... from three. So I, I'm curious about what's the, dis- what's the disconnect there. Like, is it just... He's bad at it now. I think that's the main thing. But so they he, probably thought he would be better th- over the course of the preseason. That's my awful. question, though. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think AD is it coming from AD where he's just not listening to them, or do you I think, think they probably scrapped it? It's a two-sided thing where they're saying, yeah. "Yeah, this isn't working." Yeah. Okay. I think they just saw the writing on the wall. Said no. At the very least, he's playing center now. Like if you had him at power forward, he would have to shoot a lot of threes, but now they're just playing him at center. He's trying to take some mid-range shots. He's trying to get to the rim, but the further away from the basket that you can get Anthony Davis's attempts to be, the better it is for the Suns. So if you're trying to contain LeBron James, if you're trying to contain Anthony Davis, that's the main game plan. You know, On be- the other side of that, if D'Angelo Russell goes crazy, if Rui Hachimura goes crazy, if Max Christie goes crazy and has six threes, that's another way to lose this game, as well as Austin Reeves, who is shooting only 31% from three so far this year. Uh, I was just going to say what would be even better than Anthony Davis being far away from the basket is if you could force a situation where he's not on the court at all. Because yeah. I, I still think we're not talking enough about the fact the Suns are third in the NBA in free throw attempts. Their turnaround from one of the worst free throw shooting teams, well, not in terms of percentage, but just teams that didn't attempts. get there. Yeah. yeah. Th- all throughout the Chris Paul era, but then their rapid turnaround, even with Devin Booker still being one of the premier scorers on the team, the rest of the team just drives so much more often and gets hit so much more often. If you could get Anthony Davis into early foul trouble, uh, it would pay huge dividends. Naturally, you know, his rim protection speaks for itself, and it's not just going to be easy to drive on him, but I hope they're aggressive. Well, to add to that, the Lakers foul the most of any team in the NBA. Uh, per game this season so like that's uh, in foul percentage so obviously if you're going to try to get to the line against any team this Lakers team is a good one to do now having said that Anthony Davis has kind of punked Nurkic in the first two games of this matchup so far and that Nurkic can't really get going on him offensively and can't seem to draw those fouls when he's attempting to draw those fouls now, Nurkic has been playing better. Both of those games were early in the season. He is playing better now, and of course, we'll have the opportunity to change things. But in that matchup, Anthony Davis has, I will say he has won that matchup in that he's made it impossible for Nurkic to score near the rim. I did look up the matchup stats. Anthony Davis is only shooting six for 18 when guarded by Nurkic as well. So, surprise to me. The stats actually do look good in Nurkic's favor defensively as well, and then Anthony Davis is not shooting very well on Nurkic either. I know there was a stretch in the last game where Eubanks came in and Davis kind of dominated Eubanks for a short period of time. But that, I think, that center matchup, since they're matched up against each other, if Nurkic can push him out in all his post-ups, try to block his drives to the rim without fouling, that's going to be really important in this game because Anthony Davis flails um, I actually think the Suns will have a pr- pretty good chance because Anthony Davis, he likes to shoot. 
he has done a good job, I think, getting to the rim, trying to get as much contact as possible on his drives. But Nurkic is a big body. If he can move his feet a little bit, I think he'll do well in this one. I don't know about scoring on him, but guarding him, I think he could do a good job. I'm just trying to see if I don't see the like ESPN preview listed uh, or anything at this point. Yeah, it's too soon. I just want to see if I could get a quick line on this game uh, without giving like a precise prediction. I feel pretty good about this one. I think even if it's in L.A., I, I kind of feel like we should be favored. I'm not sure if the Vegas odds will reflect that, but it should be good. Let me see if I can find that because I am actually curious about that. Let's see. The... Yeah, it looks like the Lakers are favored um, in this game on FanDuel. I don't see the actual line here, but they are favored at betting odds. If you bet the money line, um, the Lakers are favored. So the Suns are actually the longer shot in that one. And they're, they're at home. Like, if you're going to set the line for this, I think that makes a lot of sense um, f- for them. Uh, if you're asking Lakers fans what they want to see right now, they've seemed to be, I, I was looking through some, some blogs and some tweets about the Lakers. They seem to be wanting a little bit more Max Christie. I don't know what that says about the Lakers season as a whole, but you know, that's the kind of thing where he can shoot. Okay. So like, they kind of just want to see him on the floor a little bit more. Yeah, he's, it's like the Austin Reeves thing, right? He's just, they like young players. Every fan base yeah. likes their young players. I don't think Max Christie is ready for prime time like that necessarily. I know he started some games for them this year, but yeah, who knows? <laughs> to their credit, maybe he'll have their Cam Reddish game this time around and, and go off on us. The easiest recipe, I think, that leads to a Suns win, if they get out early on the Lakers and they score well, get him a little bit in foul trouble early, and then when LeBron James comes out, Christian Wood comes in, if Devin Booker plays those minutes and they can just get up on them with LeBron out... That's their best chance. Obviously, I think just based on how this Suns team has played in the late of games and the fact that LeBron James is on the other team, it probably will get close at the end of the game regardless if the Suns do get out to an early lead and then it will be up to the combination of Devin Booker and LeBron James to outplay make and outscore I'm sorry, Devin. Yeah, the combination Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and then LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the other team. It'll be up for this to the Suns to outplay, make them, and uh, make all the right plays. And then for the Suns, Grayson Allen, if he's playing well, huge as far as making threes. They need some spacing. Um, and then you know, I don't know, maybe some Josh Kogi, Jordan Goodwin minutes at some point to bother LeBron, and maybe that will help a little bit. Can I just throw out? I, I hinted at this stat because you're talking about Grayson hitting threes there. I think I hinted at the stat last week, but I have the exact one now. Yeah. The players on the Suns, their three-point shooting percentages off of a catch from Devin Booker specifically. Because okay. every okay. game we're adding to now that sample size, now that Book's back. Uh, so I'm only including the players here who have taken at least 10 threes because like less than 10 is really not even close to a sample worth analyzing, I think. Yuda is at 25%. He's the one bad one. He's 3 for 12 right. when he catches a pass from Book. But Grayson, he might not play at all in this game. I think he's he's finding his way out more and more out of the rotation. <clears throat> yeah, it's possible. But if Eric Gordon is back, he might not play at all. If Eric Gordon's yeah. out again, he, he'll probably weasel his way into some minutes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grayson Allen, 50%. Eric Gordon, 61%. Jeez. Again, these are three-point percentages, not two-point yeah. percentages. Mm-hmm. Three-point percentages off a pass from Devin Booker. Kevin Durant, you want to guess what it is? Uh, let's see. 55%. 
<laughs> 42%. Kevin Durant yeah. is shooting, yeah. according to the NBA's website, 14 for 17 from three when he's catching a pass from Devin Booker. He's got that Midas touch, man. I'm not That's gonna. Crazy. I'm not gonna tell the people that that is sustainable. But if all of these guys are are consistently hitting around fifty percent of their threes off the passes from Booker, that's just gravity in action. That's you know the stuff you don't get credit for on the stat sheet, but we can still find a way to account for it. That is insane. Yeah, those guys need to make shots for the Suns to have a chance. Otherwise, if you, if you don't have to guard them, they won't. They'll just throw other guys at. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant forced the ball out of their hands and and didn't just force it to miss shots. That was the recipe to beat the Suns in the playoffs last year. Um, and they've played to to give them credit. They've all the Suns have a lot better shooting from their role players. Obviously, this year they're still one of the best three point shooting teams in the NBA. Whereas the Lakers, like I mentioned earlier, let me see where are they second to last in three point percentage. So they just have to make shots to have a chance to stay in this game. Um. Obviously, those are kind of how we feel about the Suns winning and their best chances to win in that game. Do you have any other specific thoughts about that? Not particularly. I think we we can move on because I think we want to get to some voicemails too here yeah. in this in this episode. But uh, yeah, just again, this should be awesome. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. I am too. Some people yeah. have asked us, by the way, you know, because because playback is a thing that we're trying to do this season. And we're, we'll keep you guys updated on the playback schedule. But just as a reminder, these are the games that I yeah. kind of wish we could do on playback. Tough we, week for it, yeah. We can't. We still can't uh, broadcast these TNT or ESPN national TV games on playback. So I will be watching this from the comfort of my living room as will you. <laughs> and, and live tweeting about it, obviously. But that's all, about all we can do. Not to get a little too far ahead of ourselves here, but if the Suns were to win, who would you rather play out of the Kings versus, or the Pelicans? Uh, I, the Pelicans are playing pretty well recently. And, Both and teams are. That's true. That that's a good point. Both teams are. Um, so I don't think it's going to be easy either way. I think we match up pretty well against the Kings, though, and I'm not sure how well we match up against the Pelicans. I'll admit, I haven't thought about that team all that much this year. I I just need to watch more of them. But the I've Suns been haven't played them. either of those teams this year. I don't think. Right? Yeah. No. No. They haven't. Not yet. But yeah, I, 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 I take those the could Kings. be fascinating matches. I take my yeah. chances against the Kings. What about you? Fox has been amazing. I know. In some ways, they have no one to guard Fox and no one to guard Zion. Um, you know, so both of those teams can be difficult, no matter what. No matter what, but I think it would be a fascinating matchup. I probably would choose the Kings as well, just because when Zion gets going, there's just nobody that can do anything about that <laughs> uh, on the Suns or on most teams. I would say uh, so. I'd probably pick the Kings as well. All right, uh, that's our preview. It was fun to dive into one team only, almost as if it were a playoff game. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll listen to some voicemails from you all. We'll be right back. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, jumping back into the voicemail bag. I guess we're just going to call this the voicemail bag segment of the podcast from now on, Sam. Does that sound good? Uh, yep, cool with all it. Right. All right. Uh, if you all would like to give us a call, it's 480-420-6553. You can leave us a voicemail. We're trying to do some at the end of every podcast. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and listen to one, Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey, Mike. Suns fan here from Maine, and let's just say one of the only ones that I know out here, but I'm around all these Celtics fans. I need to hear your take on this. I've heard it on the Rosillo podcast, Bill Simmons. I've also heard J.J. Reddick mention it, but Booker versus Tatum. I want to hear your opinion. Non-biased take. Uh, I argue with my friends that Booker's slightly better. I'd say 1A Booker, 1B Tatum, but I'm just curious what your guys' opinion is. Thanks. First of all, I love the fact that we have a listener in Maine and I've gotten, <laughs> you know, excited about random people in, in various countries that I've found out listening to us before. And, and those are all cool. But sometimes like the remote states, like you don't expect to have a listener in Maine. So that's really cool. Beautiful state. I got to get back out there pretty soon. I want to go to Acadia National Park. As for the question, do you do you want me to take it, Mike? Or should sure, you? sure. I flip it back. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I think this was more... I, the national heads are a little bit behind on this. I, I know why Bill and Russillo were kind of rehashing the conversation because it's one they've had over and over again over the years as Boston people specifically. Yeah. The playmaking gap at this point just makes it not close, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I understand that people are going to say there's a similar defensive gap between Tatum and Book, but I don't really think there is. I don't I just, either. That's, yeah. that's me trying to be unbiased. Yeah. I don't think the defensive gap between these two is anywhere close to as wide as the playmaking gap that works in Booker's favor. I think so, if you replaced Devin Booker, if you replaced Jason Tatum with Devin Booker on the Celtics, their defensive rating probably wouldn't change at all. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of defense we're talking about here. And in a team defense situation, I don't think it would really dramatically change because Tatum in his role with the Celtics is not exactly out there guarding the best player on the other team on a daily, but it's, he's more similar to the defensive role that Kevin Durant has on the Suns, who's good at defense, but he's not this vital cog of a defensive juggernaut the way people pretend Jason Tatum is. But also just on the other side of that, the difference in playmaking, the the gap in playmaking, one of the hardest things to do in the NBA is to make that playmaking leap to, to do the things that Devin Booker is doing the difference between what it what is it with Jason Tatum four or five four. assists yeah yeah four, four assists. assists and eight or nine or ten depending on what time of year you're talking about Devin Booker 
that's a bigger difference than we're talking about the difference between that's, them defensively. That's 10 or 15 points. Yeah. And exactly to your point, perimeter defense is cool in the NBA, but individual perimeter defense is not making up the difference of 10 or 15 points. It's it's not that important. If they were centers, and we know center defense is super important because of how often you have guys driving at you at the rim and you're the, you know, the last line of defense, then maybe you can make that argument. But a slightly better perimeter defender is not making up that difference. Now, 10 or say, 15 points worth of difference in in creation with books playmaking. I didn't listen to the conversation that Bill Simmons had comparing Jason Tatum to Devin Booker. I do know that he brought up elimination stats just based on the way elimination game stats just based on the way he was talking about it. And I think that's I think that's a dishonest way to talk about it for one. Um, in, you know, being the fact that Devin Booker, had, I mean, I think had COVID in one of those games and was injured with a hamstring injury in the Bucks game. And then look, the Nuggets game was bad for all players involved, but Jeff Green pulled him down at the end of the previous game and he injured his foot. So if you're talking about games where Devin Booker's playing injured, I agree. Jason Tatum is probably better than Devin Booker when Devin Booker plays injured. But I do think it's disingenuous to only use those games as examples will that work against your Boston Celtics friends in Maine? No, no they're not going to hear that. Every player plays injured at certain points um, of the season. But when it comes to, to this kind of analysis, to this kind of um, talk, all it takes is an extended version of this season that Devin Booker is playing to end that conversation to me. Because it's their stats are dramatically different so far this year, and that's not to say that Tatum can't make up that gap in my mind as well, because um, he can. Tatum's very, very good. But I'll ask you this: I mean, just from a general perspective, because we're talking about the reason Jason Tatum is better, quote unquote, better at defense than Devin Booker to me is entirely height related. Would you sacrifice some of Devin Booker's playmaking to make him a few inches taller? <laughs> Man, that's a really good question. Basically, are you saying would I like to have two KDs? <laughs> yeah, in some ways, yeah. <laughs> um, I I like the versatility of what we're currently able to roll out with with our two guys. If you're uh, if it's, you're having a it's number hard. one playmaker, you can't you can't ask me to sacrifice anything because I just yeah. want a six. Now I'm just thinking about well, what if Devin Booker was still Devin Booker, but he was also six foot ten? In <laughs> well, which he case, that be. that would be the greatest <laughs> player of all time. <laughs> uh, it's impossible to be. Excellent question. Thank you. Shout out to uh, Suns fans in Maine. I bet there's more than one. Maybe somebody uh, online will tweet at us and we can connect you so you have some Suns fans friends as well. All right, let's listen to another one. Hey, guys. Dusty here from Glendale, Arizona. Been a fan for a long time now. Um, hypothetical. Frank Vogel brings you into the locker room at halftime. That's uh, game seven of the finals. Oh, no. What do you say specifically to hype the team up to secure uh, a finals victory? Thanks, guys. You're taking this one first. I took right. the last one first. Shout out. I think you said his name was <laughs> Dust- Dusty? Yeah, from, it's Dusty. From Glendale. Thank you, Dusty. Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, the first thing I'd, I'd say is I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm here right now. I don't know why I'm doing this either. That's um, not a hype speech. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that... I don't think that... If I was introduced to a bunch of athletes at the at at that moment, halftime of game seven of the NBA finals, this is the first time that I'm being introduced to NBA players in an attempt to hype them up. 
I don't think I could do that. Maybe I'd have to like make up a story about I have a, I have a fake uh, a fake kid in the hospital that's a huge Suns fan and he really wants the Suns to win. Then they're, they're just going to come out playing kind of sad. I don't know how well that would work. <laughs> I, I think you got to take the you know your drummer. Okay. How much of a pain in the ass is it to transport your kit? Like um, a lot. It's the worst part about being a drummer. I think. Yeah, I yeah. I imagine. I imagine. Well, if you could get that into the locker room, I think that's your best chance. Oh, I think without a doubt they would tell me to shut the hell up because it's very loud. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say? Man, I don't I have it's the same thing as you, man. They're not going to listen to me, but the difference is I don't have any special talents to <laughs> regale them with. Uh yeah, maybe just uh, open up Twitter and start reading them hate tweets from people to to rile them up like Steph Curry supposedly looks at tweets during halftime games to give him confidence for the second half. Uh, I don't know. Something like that might work. I'm not built for that kind of hype, I don't think. I'd have to, you know what I'd have to do? I'd have to create the way that I do, I did for the finals, like a long, well-produced set to music of all the hate that brought the Suns to the moment that they're in and just play that for them because that's the only thing I think I could do to hype them up. Yeah, that, that would be the best strategy. All right, here we go. What's up, gang? It's the boy Durag. A little sick and under the weather, but just what's happening into the pod. Just want to know what the early season Noodlehead Award would be for the Sun Squad. My early pick is Drew Eubanks, but I'll let y'all decide that. Have a good one. Shout out Durag. Uh, former guest of the podcast. Sorry that you're sick. I hope you feel better soon. I'm... I think I don't know what the Noodlehead Award is. Do you know what that is? I don't. So no, I'm just interpreting. Kind of, we're 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 guessing here, Durag. I know he's going to listen to this. So, um, Drew Eubanks. Are we saying like you know the kind of most? Is it like a Javale McGee type thing? You know, just kind of Maybe. like screws screws up a lot, but like an endearing way. <laughs> if that's what we're going with, in which case, I think I think Drew Eubanks might be there. Are you going to search his? Yes. Yeah. Twitter feed Noodlehead Energy. We're pulling up all of the times that Durag on Twitter has mentioned the word Noodlehead. It's quite he a does. bit. He does pretty often, so this is like really in in his vernacular. Uh, yeah, Noodlehead. It sounds like I'm guessing it's it's a semi uh, insulting term here. I um, think it's insulting, but with like a hint of endearing to it too. Yeah, okay. like I don't think he's like that heavily against Drew Eubanks. It's just. I think Drew Eubanks is a little bit of a noodlehead. That's a pretty good one. I think based on the way that we're interpreting this, I think that's a pretty good one because uh, I've mentioned it before, but Drew Eubanks, as soon as he checks in in the first half, you're just kind of, to me, it takes like a play or two to know, oh, this is that kind of Drew Eubanks game. (laughs) You know, sometimes it's like, oh, he's going to be great tonight. And sometimes it's like, oh, no, we're just going to have to survive these next four minutes. Drew Eubanks, noodlehead, because like, He'll get called for an illegal screen or something, right? And then come back and pin the ball onto the black the <laughs> backboard with like a sick block the next yeah. possession, right? He yeah. makes up for it. Yuta Watanabe, not Noodlehead. Because if he fucks up, there's not a positive thing coming to sort of reverse <laughs> it to, to make you feel more neutral. Yeah, about he, so it. you, you just, can't say him. Yeah. You just feel kind of bad. Yeah. Josh so, Kogi? <laughs> yeah, Josh Kogi's in there. Yeah, Josh Kogi, by the way, who's who's low key redeemed himself a couple of times in recent games. He shows up for the big ones, man. He he's played really well, obviously in our two wins yep. against the Warriors this season. And I know we lost the game, but 
he showed up in that Denver Nuggets game too. The other I just night. think some teams are able to exploit him being out there and some teams are not going to be able to do that. So in the regular season, he'll continue to get minutes. Um, you know, I think Frank Vogel's unafraid to pull him out. If a team is really abusing him, the, the San Antonio Spurs, of course, is the best example so far. You put Wemby on him, of course, it becomes a huge problem because now you have this alien eight-footer in the paints that doesn't have to go to the three-point line. Um, but not most teams don't really have a guy like that that you can you can play, and that's why I think he might play against the Lakers. Um, good question. Thanks, Durag. Go better. Hey, Sam. Hey, Mike. This is Suns Forever on Twitter. My question is, how concerned are you guys with the Suns' defense? I think we got pretty exposed during our game against Denver, just to see Denver's continuity and the way they were able to execute throughout the four quarters with a bunch of backups against the Suns' defense was kind of concerning. Um, do you think this team is just going to have to figure it out as they go along, or are they going to have to recalculate how to put out specific lineups? Um, and are you concerned at all with Beal when he does come back on the floor if he's going to be – able to hold his own on defense thanks bye uh i'll i'll start thanks uh thanks for the question uh sons forever um on this one the first thing i'll say is although denver really did play well in the first half of that game i do think they had a bit of an outlier shooting performance at the beginning of that game in the second half you could see how it caught up to them and i think over the course of a playoff series i think you can anticipate a, a team not shooting 70 percent from the three-point line against the team in the first half. Um, having said that, am, uh, the overall question, am I concerned about the Suns' defense? Yes. I actually think outside of that game, it has been slowly getting a little bit better and a little bit better every game. When Beal comes back, I do think it will probably, at least temporarily, take another step backwards as they are figuring it out with new players, new lineups um, for the Suns. But I do think that overall, just looking at net rating stats, just looking at how the Suns are playing, Suns fans, me included, have to get used to a team just fully leaning all the way into offense and just sort of understanding that the defense is not going to be perfect. Recently, Zach Lowe was on NBA Today and then talked about it again on his podcast with Doris Burke. But offense has a bigger correlation to playoff and championship success than defense over the last 10 years in the NBA. Whereas previously defense was the biggest predictor of playoff success. So the Suns have leaned all the way into that and we'll see if it ends up working later in the season because this is the roster they have. So they have to do that. They don't really have a lot of yeah. options to become a great defensive team. And it's something that works for, I mean, just look at Denver who we're talking about here in this question having a pretty close to perfect offense and not so perfect defense has worked for them in recent times. I do think that Denver matchup specifically though, that he's also asking about, you got to figure out somewhat of an answer to that, right? Because yeah, you're anticipating if you're going to get there, you have to push through them. And I think what the Suns did in this matchup against Denver was interesting. Like, first of all, Jokic is so good. We resisted for a while. But he's just the best player on the planet. He is. You you can't yeah. say it's anyone else. And he he poses such an interesting problem right now. Like this year, he's averaging, I think, five or six points per game more than he did last season. He's shooting the ball significantly more often. And I think Frank was reacting partially to that 
and partially the fact that Jamal Murray wasn't playing again to say, okay, let's make someone else beat us. And they were going to send the doubles at Jokic over and over again. He just reverts back into like his normal Jokic mode of I'm going to make the correct read every time once I see the double coming and and then guys are going to hit threes and I'm going to rack up like 16 or 17 assists. And that's sort of how he beat teams traditionally for the past seven years of his career. And only now are teams so often like trying to tap into the let's make Jokic a scorer that he can kind of go back in the other direction with it, right? So it's a really hard balancing act with him. Either you turn him into a score and play him mostly single coverage, or you throw the doubles at him and and live with the fact that he's going to find open shooters. I don't know exactly what the correct balance in that formula is. I'm not sure any team has figured There's it out. There's no good answer. I do feel like the Suns should have given him more single coverage than they did in that last game, though, and just live with the fact that Nurkic is probably going to get eaten alive. I, 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 I felt it was a little bit too tilted towards the side of let's just double him all the time. And and that clearly didn't work. Uh, maybe the answer is just more zone because they did play more zone in that game. And that's when they started to get back into the game. And this is the most they played zone with Nurkic on the floor. I've mentioned it before. They've maybe mostly on playback actually, but they, they play zone on this team. They have played zone on this team relatively regularly, not like a ton, but mostly with Eubanks on the floor in this last game, they played significantly more with Nurkic on the floor. And maybe that's one of the answers they can do is try to try to throw more zone at teams to throw them up um, or throw them off of their game. And uh, yeah, I, I do think that anybody who says, why didn't the Suns or any team uh, sign any Jokic stoppers should be required to name who those are. Yeah, there's no such thing. There's, there's just no isn't. such thing. <laughs> You know, it just doesn't exist. You know, I mean, in some sense, I think the Suns did try to do that a little bit. Now, Nurkic, in that they signed a player who, at the very least, appears to hate Jokic to his very core. Yeah. (laughs) You got anything else on this one? No, 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 no. We we can go. Last one. Hey, Mike and Sam. This is Pete from uh, the Timeline Discord server. Uh, First time, long time. Uh, My question here is for Sam, and it's, uh, why do you hate Kevin Durant so much? Um, you know, it's just so clear on your Twitter that, you know, you want to give Devin Booker all the credit and, uh, you, you just so clearly hate KD. So I'm interested to, uh, hear your thoughts. I'll take your comments off the air. Bye. Uh, thanks for the question, Pete. Um, I, I think he's joking, obviously. At least I, I I'm like 99% sure that he's joking. Uh, I didn't get any like death threats. <laughs> from KD stands in the past 24, 48 hours. They already blocked them, yeah, the ones that do that. Only, yeah, the couple who, like, get too nasty with it. I I don't know. I think we're, uh, we're progressing in a positive direction. Like, I tweeted yesterday about the fact that the Suns are playing at a 67-win pace when Devin Booker plays this year. Not a shot at all at KD. I don't know how that could be interpreted as a shot at KD. And you end up getting a couple comments, you know, just about, like, <laughs> saying stuff like that. But I'm not going to stop talking up the fantastic play of Devin Booker. I know these two guys can coexist. Imagine um, if KD got mad every time Devin Booker played well. Yeah. <laughs> that's what these play that's what these guys are like uh on on Twitter. But yeah, it's it's a bizarre dynamic that we, you've created and I appreciate well, you leaning into it. I think it's fun. We got off on the wrong foot, I think, and then I have a really bad tendency of just like stoking the flames. So like that's <laughs> that's on me almost as much as it's on them. Again, I I think I said in a previous episode, I don't care if people tell me like you know that i'm wrong 
or to fuck off or whatever whatever they want to say as long as they don't get like there's a line that you don't cross online with people who you don't really know so as long as you don't cross that line we're cool <laughs> you like kevin durant though just for the I record love Ke- i love kevin durant. i just want to get kevin it out durant. there just get Mikhail, it on the record <laughs> mckinney bridges was my guy he just dropped what was it a 42, 42? yeah and do i have any like hint of regret about that trade no it was a fantastic trade can't believe we got it done that's right 480-420-6553 give us a call in the week leading up to a podcast we'll try and play some every episode that we have i want to say we'll be back soon and we will be back soon but i do think how the suns play in this in-season tournament will have some impact on the next time we record i'm not exactly sure when that's going to be but i'm looking forward to finding out with you all we'll be watching that game check us out online on twitter if you'd like to follow along with us and if you'd like to join our patreon it's patreon.com slash the timeline of course we will have a patreon episode up this week as well um and you can join us there and join us on discord which is where pete is uh said he was from on this call um thanks for that call by the way pete (laughs) and uh yeah check out ethicalhoops.com for all of our merchandise we appreciate you all And look, maybe we'll be coming back in a week or so and talking about the Suns being the first ever winner of the in-season tournament. I hope that we do get to talk about that. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. 